0: Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypannuccio.com forward slash act. You've tried structuring techniques like save the cat or the hero's journey. There's the three-act structure, the five-act structure, Freytag's pyramid, and look, all these are really helpful, But there are underlying storytelling techniques that hold up those structures. You're building a living, breathing story, not a scaffold. And the thing is, you do need structure. It's the container for your story so that a reader can receive it. Structure guides the reader's experience. And when the structure works, Readers care about what happens to your characters and they're fully engaged, fully invested in your story. There is a more efficient way to structure your material. This is part three of a three-part mini-series beyond the first draft. Today, we're going to talk about five essential storytelling techniques that will not only help you bring clarity and focus to your material, but will help you structure your story into a riveting experience for your readers. And I'll give you a way to hook your reader immediately in your opening sentences using one simple word. Stay tuned. Structuring your story can feel super challenging. If you're a pantser, you may feel like you're wandering aimlessly on and on and that you'll never finish. You may have too many ideas and you're throwing it all into the pot. So now your reader has to metabolize more than they're able to, and they're overfed. On the other hand, If you're a plotter, you may have a solid outline with a beginning, middle, and end, but the story is still thin. You don't have enough meat on the bones yet, so the story is undernourished. Well, today we're going to dive into five essential storytelling techniques to help you structure your material. So to recap, In part one, episode 71, you got clear on who your story is about and what your main character wants. You also started building contrasts into your characters and revealing them with a subtle but more powerful touch. I like what screenwriter Peter Dunn says, that the emotional through line is the first structure to develop deeply. Episode 71 was all about character development. Episode 72, part two of the series, was all about point of view, the mind of your story, the perceiving subject who's reporting and or experiencing the action. We explored three constructs that make up a point of view. Point of view, by the way, is one of the structures of your plot. Structure helps you crystallize your story so that it guides the reader seamlessly through the action and eliminates the noise. So before we dive in, let's talk about what every story you read or watch is in the simplest terms. A story is a character who wants something encounters obstacles before he or she can get it. A character who wants something encounters obstacles before he or she can get it. Your character comes into the story wanting something. You want to get that desire into the story as soon as possible. The question pulling the reader through the story is, will he or she get what he or she wants or not? By the end of your story, the answer will either be a yes or a no. Your plot is shaped around that burning story question. This question gets posited into your reader's brain. Now, they're not necessarily conscious that they have this question in their head, but it's what's keeping them turning the page. It's what keeps them engaged. It's what keeps them from putting down your pages and binge-watching Netflix. Donald Miller, who studied screenwriting, calls this the open story loop. A story is a process of opening and closing story loops. You know those Netflix series you're addicted to? How at the end of each episode, you're compelled to keep hitting next episode? That's because the writer has ended on an open story loop, and the mind wants to close that gap. So you want to keep the main story loop open, because once that story loop closes, the reader has no reason to keep reading. So for example, here's an open story loop. You're hungry, so you eat dinner, and that closes that story loop. Now, before you structure your story, you need to get clear on three things. Number one, what does your main character want? We talked about this in episode 71. Question number two, who or what is interfering with him or her from getting it? And question three, what will your main character's life look like if he or she gets or doesn't get what he or she wants? Donald Miller says that if an audience daydreams during a movie, it's because they can't answer one of those three questions. If those three questions can't be answered in the first 15 to 20 minutes of the film, the story has already become noise and will most certainly fail at the box office. So what does your main character want? Who or what is interfering with him or her from getting it? And what will your main character's life look like if he or she gets or doesn't get what he or she wants. Okay, so now that we've distilled what a story is in its simplest form, let's dive into the five storytelling techniques to help you structure your story. Number one, get into the action and introduce your main characters as soon as possible. Don't start from the beginning of the story. You don't want to clutter your opening with backstory and deep history and exposition. That's just noise to the reader. So you want to cut to the chase, skip to the good part. Remember, you need to introduce your main characters and establish what your protagonist wants as early as possible. Extraneous detail, backstory, significant history, that's all good for you to know, but you can edit it out skip to the good part, get into the action as soon as possible. Don't dilly dally. So for example, in the first chapter of Revolutionary Road, we meet April and Frank Wheeler. We also meet their next door neighbors and best friends, Shep and Millie Campbell. And we also meet the real estate agent who sold them the house, Helen Giving's. Now, these characters don't interact with one another in that first chapter, they do in the second chapter, but they're all in the same place, witnessing April Wheeler's failed performance in an amateur play. Now, there are brief moments of backstory, a sentence or two here or there, but it's so skillfully woven into the main action, we're not even aware of it. It doesn't read like noise. So we're brought into the action of the play right away, and we see Frank Wheeler biting his fist, worrying about his wife's performance. He really just wants his wife to be happy. So introduce the main players of your story, get into the action, and establish what your character wants as soon as possible. Don't introduce every character, just the characters who will have some hand in the story's action. Now, often writers will introduce a lot of characters in their first chapter, and we'll never hear from them for the next 150 pages. So introduce the main characters. So how do you get into the action of the story sooner? Where do you start? Well, you've probably heard of starting in the middle of things, in medias res, or where things are already off balance. But here's a simple technique I learned from Doug Glover that can help you launch readers into the story instantly. It's called a butt construction. A butt construction is any use of the word but or a synonym in a sentence or paragraph that sets up a contrast, surprise, paradox, or comparison. It gives a clash of ideas And this creates tension and surprise for the reader. So it creates conflict and energy at the sentence level. You never want your reader to think, well, I saw that coming. You want to surprise them. You want to give them something unexpected. The idea is to take any simple declarative sentence and add a but to it. Here are some examples. This is from Doug Glover. I thought my wife had left me, but she is back. What she has been doing the past two years, I have no idea. So here he's simultaneously balancing contrasting ideas in the time it takes to finish the sentence. So he's opening a story loop here. We want to know why she left, where she went, why she's back, and what she's been up to for the past two years. We also want to know, well, what's going to happen with this marriage? Here's another one by Amy Hempel. The first three days are the worst, they say, but it's been two weeks and I'm still waiting for those first three days to be over. So here we're wondering, okay, what's going on here? Is she overcoming some addiction? Maybe it's cigarettes or alcohol. What is it? And what's been happening in these two weeks? You can also use an implied but. Here's an example from Doug Glover. I am in bed with a woman who looks like a movie star, and I have lost my memory. Okay, so open story loops here. How did he meet the woman? What happened before he lost his memory? How did he lose his memory? What's going on here? So we have a lot of questions already forming in our head, and these are the open story loops. Here's another one by Amy Hempel. A blind date is coming to pick me up, and unless my hair grows an inch by seven o'clock, I am not going to answer the door. Okay, so we have all that surprise here. So we know her hair is not going to grow an inch by seven o'clock. So we're wondering, well, you know, is she going to answer the door? What's going to happen? So the ands in each of these are tacit buts. But constructions inject conflict, plot, and energy into your sentences by using a simple grammatical device, the word but or an implied but. So adding the word but opens up this blank space into which you are able to imagine new and surprising words. Now, this is also a great way to create a story idea. Just take any declarative sentence, add a but to it, and take it from there. Anna Karenina falls in love with a soldier named Vronsky, but. Shadow is released from prison, but. Humbert gets to be with the Lolita, but. So number one, introduce your characters and get to the action sooner. Don't start at the beginning, skip the backstory. Hook readers immediately into your story using a but construction. On to number two, give your character a problem. Every story is about a problem. It's about solving a problem. As soon as you resolve the problem, the story's over. Now, it doesn't matter what your character wants. He or she just has to have a passionate relationship with their desire. There's got to be some desperation. So Frank Wheeler's problem is his wife's loneliness and boredom as a stay-at-home mom and housewife. This is causing major trouble in their marriage. And he's in a similar rut of working in a soulless job in New York City, commuting every day, and not living his own dream. Now, we can all relate to this, right? If you've ever been in a job just out of financial necessity, you know how that can feel like a kind of death. Humbert's problem is keeping his sexual relationship with Lolita a secret. So he moves from town to town, from motel and motel, and he bribes her with gifts. He coerces her into keeping their relationship secret by telling her she'll lose all her gifts and become a warden of the state. So each scene moves your character from point A to point B but the scene has to be necessary to tell the story and solving the story problem. In every great story, there's always that moment of then. Something happens that spins your character's life in another direction. It's the moment when life as your character knows it will never be the same. It's unexpected for your character and it hooks us into the main action. So there's an inciting incident at the end of act one, which calls your character into action. In other words, a situation comes out of nowhere, throws your main character into turmoil, and creates this problem that they have to spend the rest of the plot trying to solve. So the rest of the story will be an attempt to draw out the inferences of that earlier upheaval. Clark Blay says that what is often meant by climax in the conventional story is merely the moment that the character realized the true, the devastating meaning of then. So that moment of then creates urgency. It's life-changing, and it's the jumpstart to your character's transformation. So, for example, in Neil Gaiman's novel, American Gods, the inciting incident for Shadow is, just as he's released from prison, he learns his wife was killed in a car accident with his best friend, who was also his future employer. In Revolutionary Road, it's April's Failed Performance, which leads to an explosive fight between husband and wife on the way home. Now, we know from the first chapter that there's a lot riding on this play for their marriage to work. We're not told that explicitly, but we see Frank Wheeler biting his fist as the play progressively deteriorates and the look of failure and defeat on his wife's face as the curtain closes. So now we're hooked. And now we're going to follow your character to see if their problem is solved. On to storytelling technique number three, opposition. Every scene will have desire and resistance. Now it's the same desire meeting the same resistance over and over again. Remember, A story is a character pursuing a desire despite obstacles. So your character has this problem that he or she must absolutely solve, and each scene, each chapter, brings him or her closer to or further away from solving it. It's the same desire meeting the same resistance over and over again. Now, when I say the same, I mean that it shows up in different versions, in different variations. So in Lolita, Humbert wants her, but she doesn't reciprocate his love at all. And in every scene, he goes after that, but she rejects his love. He bribes her with gifts and she takes them, but she never reciprocates with what he truly wants from her, which is love. Now, opposition doesn't have to be a fight or a war. It could be, but the larger fight and the more interesting fight is within. So conflict is just two forces interfering with one another. So Lolita is Humbert's main resistance, but there's also his own denial that allows him to justify what he's doing. So there's external resistance, But there's also internal resistance. Your character will resist his or her own transformation. Every piece of backstory, every flashback will reflect back that desire and resistance. So for example, in Revolutionary Road, there's this pivotal flashback where Frank Wheeler goes to work with his father at the Knox building when he's a child. And this is where he now works in the present of the story as an adult. But this flashback shows the resistance, the inner resistance. He's enthralled to the energy of New York City in the tall building where his father works. But as he rides the elevator to the floor where his father works, he experiences no sense of flight, just nausea and this feeling of dread. So, two opposing feelings. Now, this is the same desire meeting the same resistance, and it gives us insight into why he resists his own transformation. Here's the thing your protagonist spends most of the story, act two, ill equipped to solve his or her own problem. We don't want a perfect hero. We want someone we can relate to, someone who makes bad, unwise, or even immoral choices. So act two is where most of your story plays out. It's where your protagonist tries to solve his or her story problem and encounters obstacles. Same desire, meeting the same resistance, just in different variations. Storytelling technique number four, raise the stakes. In a great story, the stakes are enormous. If you remove the stakes, the story's over. There's nothing that can be lost. So what does your character stand to lose? What does your character stand to gain? What hangs in the balance? What can be won if your character gets what he or she wants? And what can be lost? If Anna gets to be with Vronsky, she loses custody of her son. If she stays with her husband, she's exiled to a loveless marriage. If Frank Wheeler quits his job and moves his family to Paris, he gets to escape the rut he and his wife have become trapped in and live out his dream. If he stays, he keeps the stability, the status, and the financial certainty that supports his family. He's caught between fantasy and reality. Now, there is a point where your character must make a choice. This is the end of act two. It's do or die. So here Frank Wheeler is with a for sale sign on his lawn. He and April are merrily packing to move to Paris. And boom, April discovers she's pregnant with their third child. So Frank makes the responsible choice and accepts the job promotion. And he now thinks it's more prudent to stay put. But April still wants to escape the reality of her situation. And she wants to go to Paris. So you want to make it an impossible choice. Remember, your main character does not have to make the wisest or even the most moral or courageous choice. We just need to understand why they make the choice they make. And finally, number five, conclusion. This is your act three. This is where everything is resolved for better or for worse. Your character has either gotten what he or she wants or not. They've made their impossible choice, and now the consequences of that decision come to bear. You don't want to wrap up your story in a perfect bow. Remember, if your character gets what he or she wants, what does he or she lose? Here, too, is where you can use that but construction to create an unforgettable ending for your reader. He gets what he wants, but So does Anna Karenina get to be with Vronsky? Yes, but she realizes that life with Vronsky is not all that great, and now she's lost her son and her social standing. So she throws herself under a train and kills herself in despair. Will Humbert get Lolita to love him? No, but he gains some moral clarity. There's a reckoning he's forced to deal with. He finally admits to himself the harm he's done, that he's robbed Lolita of her childhood. Does Frank Wheeler get to escape the rut he's in and save his marriage? No. And his wife, who feels trapped in her role as wife and mother, dies as a result. In every great story, there's transformation. It may be redemption or salvation. It may be crushing loss. Your character may win the war or defeat the enemy or lose their marriage. Endings should not be tied up neatly in a bow. So you've closed the main story loop. Your character has gotten what he or she wants or not. But life is never that simple. And neither should your story. Remember, you don't want to start at the beginning, right? But you also don't want to end at the very end. In other words, even though you're closing the loop on the main question your story asks, getting what we want or not is never that clean. It's far better to give us a sense that your characters will go on with their lives after the story ends for us. Just like the curtains open in the middle of things, where things are off balance, so do the curtains close with a sense that life goes on for the characters. So rather than tie everything up neatly, think of having your character land safely for a moment. We've covered a lot, so let's recap. Number one, plunge us into the action and introduce your main characters as soon as possible. Introduce conflict and hook readers instantly by using a butt construction. Number two, give your character a problem to solve. Launch it with an inciting incident. That moment of then where life as your character knows it will never be the same. Number three, opposition the same desire will be hitting the same resistance over and over, just in different variations. Number four, raise the stakes. What can be won if your character gets what he or she wants? And what can be lost? What choice is your character forced to make at the end of act two? Number five, conclusion. Your story is resolved for better or for worse. You've closed your main story loop. Your character has either gotten what he or she wants or not. They've made their impossible choice. So what are the consequences of that choice? If your character got what they wanted, what did they lose? If your character didn't get what they wanted, what did they gain? So that wraps up our three-part mini-series. I want you to keep in mind that there's infinite variability for you to create structure using these techniques. The best way to learn how to structure your story is to go to a novel or short story you love and read it again to see how these techniques work together. No discussion of character desire is separate from a discussion of point of view or plot development. All these techniques work together to form a unity. These are just ways to think about your work in progress and to deepen your understanding of structure. By the way, I've created a three-act worksheet for you to brainstorm your story structure. You can download it at nancypanuccio.com forward slash act nancypanucciocom forward slash act, a link in the show notes. We're on a brief hiatus over the new year, but I'll see you in 2022 with brand new episodes. In the meantime, join us on our free private Facebook group, Writer Unleashed Community. It's totally free to join. Have a brilliant new year. Keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.